Okay. I want to talk today about the evaluation that counts. And what I mean by that is, what does God think? And I think a lot of times we, we overlook this. We miss this. We, we are concerned about what maybe family members think, what our friends think, what the world thinks, uh, what my co-workers think, uh, just individuals, you know, what they think, what people think. And we don't consider, you know, it's tough to get in that mode of, okay, what is the, the evaluation that really counts? And that is, what does God think? What does God think as I do this or as I say this or, or whatever it may be? The evaluation that counts. Now, in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, it says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And there are a lot of verses that correspond to that, that tell us the exact same thing. In other words, Jesus will say, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So again, the evaluation that really counts is, what does God think about my words? Again, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Romans 2 and verse 16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Again, Romans 14 and verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at naught your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us, shall give an account to himself to God. And again, one more verse, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. You know, it's sort of hard to believe that, that, it's, that it's this serious. On, on a day-to-day, -day, you know, the evaluation that really counts. What does God think of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, everything about me? You know, that's, that's the thing we need to be concerned about. Why is this hard to believe? I want you to imagine yourself standing, maybe on a sea of glass, looking at Christ. And you think to your mind, you, you, thoughts run through your mind. Why did I doubt you? Why did I think my secret sins or my secret sins did not affect our relationship. Why did I think that? Why did I lack faith? Why didn't I stand up for what was right? <clears throat> Why didn't I do the right thing? Why did I allow this world to make me so insensitive to others' needs? And we do, you know, you ever notice that it's easy to get hardened by this world? About, you know, when I first came into the church, I was sort of excited about anointing people. You know, that was, I remember my Angela, we went and anointed some guy uh, that was sick. And, and, uh, but you know, when you, 
you go through that and you go through that and, and maybe it's sickness in your own life and you're anointed in your own life and it seems like nothing happens or you anoint someone it seems like it, it's easy to get to a point where you think well would it will it even do any good you know if, if I go through this I was working on a job and the, the guy had the homeowner had cancer and you know I just the thought crossed my mind well, why don't you anoint him you know and I thought well I don't know probably wouldn't do any good you know, it, it, it's, we get hardened, our faith becomes weak, we get hardened, and, and sometimes it's hard to renew that, that first love. You know, we can lose it. We can lose it. But, uh, so when I read this, that every idle word that men shall speak, they're going to give an account of, nothing covered that shall not be revealed, God shall judge the secrets of men. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Then we're, we're going to have to give an account. Why don't I live my life as though I believe this? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Number one, God is up in heaven. We're down here. God is a spirit. We're flesh and blood. Uh, I cannot see God. I cannot necessarily reach out and touch God. I cannot feel God's emotions, you know, so to speak, you know, maybe his disappointments at me sometimes. I, I think, you know, someone said God is very easy to please, but hard to satisfy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think we need to keep that in mind. He is easy to please, but he's hard to satisfy. And I think sometimes God can get disappointed in some of the things that I do or some of the things that we do. So we're talking about the evaluation that counts. What does God think? of us. And I think this is important so that we're not ruled by our emotions. When we live our lives unaware of the evaluation that counts, sometimes we can become like an emotional wreck. So my, my goal is to be more concerned about what God thinks than what people think of me. And that is a tough task. I think it's tough for all of us. Because we're in the world, and we got people that surround us. So to be more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. I think it takes a mental preparedness. That you, you have to get up in the morning and say, okay, I am going to be more concerned about what God thinks than what this person, or any, anybody that comes into my, I'm going to be more, it takes a mental preparedness. If you just take off, Flip off, you know, you know, you drink your coffee, you're out the door, you don't even think about it. You're going to get tripped up. You, you're going to miss the mark to a large degree. It takes mental preparedness to do this. I am going to be more concerned about what God thinks. You know, in school, I think about, oh boy, it's, you know, the younger years, the teenage years. You know, what does that person think of me? You know, <laughs> Uh, that group of people don't like me. The desire to fit in as teenagers. I think back to my school years. I have no desire to relive, relive those days, I'll tell you that. None whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, we're most, we're, when we're young like that, we're not really concerned about what God thinks are we? I mean, we're, we're really not. We're more concerned about what do other people think of me? How am I perceived? How will people, you know, like me, accept me? 
They hurt my feelings. That family member rejected me. Well, consider it. Maybe we should be more concerned about what God thinks. Um, words can hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones. You know. But words will never hurt. That, that's simply not true. Words can hurt. <laughs> you know, I've, I, had, I have a lot of good comments on, on my channel, but I've had people say, well, he's not a very good speaker. Uh, some people should not teach, referring to me. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> and it's at times like that you need to be more concerned about what does God think? What does God, God think? Um, in John 2 and verse 23, it says, uh, Now when he was at Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast days, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify a man. For he knew what was in man. When it came to the opinions of men, good or bad, whether they tore him down or whether they lifted him up, he, Jesus took it like a grain of salt. I mean, it was just, he was not that impressed, good or bad, whether people were being critical or whether people were building him up. Um, critical judgment is one. When pre people criticize you, that's one thing. The only way you can overcome that is, is to understand the evaluation that counts. When people criticize you, you have to understand, what does God think of me? You have, someone said this, you have to become independent of the good opinions of others. In other words, so that no one is, is running your life. You see, if you listen to critics, and they get you to stop doing what you're doing, they're running your life. However, it's a two-way street. If you listen to those that build you up all the way, uh, praise, always praising you. I, I've gotten phone calls, you know, where people, oh, I just, I just, David, I just love everything you do. I just love, I just love it. I just love, it. I just love, and I'm thinking, I don't even love everything I do. Uh, <laughs> why, why do you love everything? You know, for some people, you can do no wrong, especially if they idolize you. You cannot make a mistake. But just because someone praises you doesn't mean that, that you're good at doing what you're doing. You, you ever noticed it? I remember, um, I've told this story a bunch of times, but I'll bore you with it one more time. Uh, there was a guy at the feast, uh, fun show, I believe, he was trying to tell jokes. And uh, it takes a special person to tell jokes. It re you're either, you either can do it or you cannot do it. <laughs> but this guy could not do it, and, and uh, <laughs> he told a joke, and the audience just sat there like this. <laughs> he told another joke, and it's like, uh, and I, I have this, I hate this about myself. I feel the shame that other people should be feeling. It, yeah, it's like it comes over and I'm, I'm cringing and I'm trying to look, I'm thinking about crawling underneath the carpet. And I'm thinking, why am I, I'm not the one making a fool of myself. He is. Uh, but I hate that about my, that I feel emotions that, that other people should be feeling. It just goes all over me and it drives me. I wish I could get rid of that. I don't want that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, praise, well, let me just talk about, okay, 
Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account. I want to talk about giving praise when we should not. It's called lying. Uh, <laughs> have, you, have you ever given praise to another because you felt sorry for that person? I have. I have. And Kirby, yeah, yeah, well, I call it something good, too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, what I'm thinking about is how easily human beings can be manipulated by praise. They really can. Um, I'm convinced you could take a loser and lie to him and, and, and actually build him up to the point where he believes in himself. You know? uh, I think about, now hopefully, hopefully we don't have any rap, rap fans here, but uh, <laughs> sometimes I've listened to rap music and I realize the lyrics, they're talking about organized crime, they're talking about killing, they're talking about uh, sexual perversion. And yet, these people can become famous, rich, uh, they can become, you know, on the awards show, and 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 a lot of times people will 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 look and they'll say, well, he's rich, and I'm not rich, and he's famous, and I'm not famous, uh, famous, and so it must be, you know, God, it must be. In other words, they they praise the person and approve of it, but the evaluation that counts is what we need to be concerned about. What does God think about music that talks about, you know, sexual perversion? What does God think about? Um, murder and, and organized crime. He doesn't like it. So the evaluation that counts is what we need to be concerned about. Do we look at fame, you know, people's fame and fortune, money, riches, success, as a sign of God's approval? You know, I think about, you know, David, he, he will talk about, he, was, he will say, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the, of the wicked. You know, sometimes you look at people who are, they're famous, they're making all kinds of money, and, we, and the prosperity of the wicked. I think sometimes, um, you know, it bothers us, especially if you yourself are going through a rough time. You're going through a rough time, and then you look at, okay, here's these, the prosperity of the wicked. Here's this foolish person, and he's, he's got it made. He's got all riches, fame, fortune. Someone said, I think it was Earl Nightingale that said this. He said, the human, race is, the human race is fixed not to prevent the strong from winning, but to prevent the weak from losing. The human race is fixed to prevent the weak from losing. We don't want any weak people losing around here. So we praise them, we build them up, we lift them up. Everybody's equal. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a reward in school, you know, whatever. And therefore, because, because of this, we have weak entertainment, weak music, weak religion, weak politicians, weak families, and weak marriages. You know, sometimes we, we can be lying to these people and praising them for their weakness because we want to, to prevent the weak from losing. What we really need to be concerned about is the evaluation that counts. What does God want me to say to this person? Not, not, not I'm just building them up, up for the heck of it. What does God want me to say to this person? Proverbs 28 and verse 23 says, He that rebukes a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flatters with the tongue. Another translation of the same verse. I think this is the Message Bible. It says, In the end... Serious reprimand is, is appreciated more than boot-licking flattery. 
boot-licking flattery. <laughs> I always like to check out those different translations because some of them are good. <laughs> you know, can we be guilty of boot-licking flattery? I guess we can. I just lied to him, but I, to give him some encouragement, let's say. When we're not concerned about the evaluation that counts, I think what it equals, we love the praises of men more than God. And often we don't even think about it in our interactions with people. And again, I come back, I come back to this. Every idle word, nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Every secret God is going to judge. You're going to give an account to God. Everything you, you've done. And I come back to this. For they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Now I want to tell you about the relationship I desire to have with God. Let's ask this question. Does God have favorites? You ever thought about that? Does God have favorites in this church? <laughs> I guess we like to think so. I think I'm one of them. Okay. No, I just... Uh, <laughs> we, we like to think that way. But uh, I, I want to look at Job 42 and verse 7. I want to break, up, break into the middle of... Job had three friends that were giving him spiritual advice because Job was going through a tough time. And God was not impressed with his friends that gave him that advice. It gave Job his, this advice. Now, notice what it says in Job 42 and verse 7. After Job had went through a knothole backwards, <clears throat> he's finally out of it. You know, God's going to bless him. But Job, God had this to say about Job's three friends. Job 42 and verse 7. I'm breaking into the middle of this. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job has. Verse 8. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourself a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept. I'll hear his prayer, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that, you have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. What I like about that, you know, this is the kind of relationship I want where God comes to your defense. God's standing beside you. You know, uh, that's what I mean by does God have favorites. God hears your prayer. Because this says, you know, Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept. In other words, these three guys, God was not hearing their prayer. God was not even hearing their prayer. I think God is on our side. He's not going to be on our side until we get serious about the evaluation that counts. And that is, what does God think about this? And maybe the power that we so desire to have, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit, has to do with this area of the evaluation that counts. What does God think? I need to be concerned about what does God think. I want to give you, to close here, two snapshots of one man. His name is Peter. We're going to take a picture. Two snapshots. First snapshot. Peter was not that concerned about the evaluation that counts. The Bible says this. Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, This night before the cock crow, you shall deny me twice. And Peter said to him, 
Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise said all of his disciples. And then we read the story that Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I don't know the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, You shall deny me twice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Okay, here we have one snapshot of Peter. You know, nothing Peter could have done internally would have made any difference at this point. The power source must come from the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to look at the second snapshot where we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in Peter's life. And Peter was deeply concerned about the evaluation that counts. He was deeply concerned about what God thought. It's in Acts 4 and verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, You rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if, this, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, notice that, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby men must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, you have two snapshots here. One, they're, they're, they're totally different. Now, when it comes to the Spirit of God, often we have said, you know, give me, you know, you know I, I need the Spirit of God. Guide me through your Spirit. Lead me by your Spirit. Often when we pray, we, you know, I, I've said, God, uh, Spirit, be with the speaker today. But here we're told, God, fill me with your Spirit. Is that something we ask for? God, not just guide me, direct me, but fill me with your Spirit. Fill me. There are consequences of being filled with the Spirit of God. And they're not always good consequences. I mean... With, with being filled with the Spirit of God, there's no limitation. Here they referred to them as unlearned and ignorant men. But there, they had no limitations at that point because they were filled with the Spirit of God. So, the evaluation that really counts. Which snapshot will we choose? You know, being concerned, okay, about the evaluation, this is not something that you can just whip up. You know, I'm just going to go out of here today and I'm not going to be concerned. I'm only going to be concerned about what God thinks. The key is in doing this, I believe, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. So this is something that I think we should ask for daily, that we should desire to be full, to be filled. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that my concern is not what man thinks, but only what my concern is with the evaluation that really counts. And that is, what does God think? <clears throat> okay.